2: Yeah, I got the Masters on now. Uh, by the way, Sergio Garcia, uh, before we get to the Wolves, uh, made a 13 on the 5th hole. Or, excuse me, a 13 on the par 5 15th hole. And and I saw the replay. Uh, didn't hit a bad shot. And you say, how can that happen? Well, he actually hit one bad shot. So he hits a drive. He only has a 6 iron in. It's a par 5. But there's water in front. Hits it right next to the hole of the 6 iron it kind of started backing up rolled in the water so he's in the water in in two out in three so he's in his fourth shot hit a wedge right next to the hole looks like it's gonna stop goes in the hole so it uh, goes in the water so now he's that was his uh so he's in, in two out in three in and four out in five his sixth shot same thing hits behind the hole goes in so he's in in six back in seven hits eight goes back in then when he was sitting his his i think his ninth shot he actually hit that one bad that went in so now he's in in ten out in 11 and then he had finally hit a good wedge and knocked it in for a 13, uh, hit five balls in the water. And his quote was, after he talked to the press after that defending champion, he goes, I don't know what to tell you, he said. It's one of those things. It's the first time in my career where I make a 13 without missing a shot. Simple as that. I felt like I hit a lot of good shots. Unfortunately, the ball just didn't stop. It's one of those things. It's just unfortunate, but that's what it is. Uh, he says, it started with Garcia in the fairway at a six iron, and quote, I thought I was perfect. Straight at the flag, if it carries probably two more feet, it's probably good. And if it probably carries a foot less, it probably doesn't go off the green and probably stays on the fringe. But unfortunately, I flew it on the perfect spot for it to come back, and then I kept hitting good shots with the sand wedge, and unfortunately, I don't know why, the ball just wouldn't stop. So the guy hits five good shots. Go back and watch the replay, and they all go in the water, and he is done. Shoots an 81, nine over, and he went eight over on that hole. So he was one over other than that. And if that second shot stays on the on the green, he would have been on in two and probably would have made it worse to birdie. Probably would have been about even par. So a tough break for the defending champion uh, at Augusta National. One other thing, we were talking about Jordan Speeth, He's 400, guys. Here's Joe Jordan Spieth. He's, this is his fifth Masters. His first was 2014, tied for second. His second, 2015, he won it. His third, 2016, he tied for second. And that's when he had the big lead and dumped it in the water twice mm-hmm. on, and made, what, a six? And on 2017 last year, he, had a bad, he was in the running, had a bad last round and finished tied for 11th. He's 4-under tied with Tony Finau. Uh, Tony Finau finished at 4-under par. Uh, we were talking, the Manny, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about watching. I'll watch the Wolves tonight, but if if Jimmy Butler doesn't play, I don't have a lot of hope.
3: Gonna, I don't think he's going to play. Yeah,
2: I, I don't, you know, look, Denver's a lot like the Wolves. Uh, the, the Wolves are, are a game up on Denver. The Wolves uh, have beaten Denver twice this year. The Wolves play four games left. They play at Denver, at the Lakers, then come home to play their nemesis, the Memphis Grizzlies, and then close The <laughs> Grizzlies going for the season sweep. Yeah, you know, you know I think the Wolves beat them once, didn't they? No. I, I they, think they've only played twice. Uh, uh, think, you might be right. I mean, so they've lost twice to Memphis a team that's won what 17 games this year. Uh it, I mean, it's
3: like 20 or 21 games yeah, they won. It's, yeah. it's, but they've not been good.
2: If you look at that the Wolves if they are 0 and 2 against Memphis and they're 2 and 2 against Phoenix that the bottom two teams in the West the Wolves are 2 and 4 against. And if you and if you yeah. go to the bottom like five teams in the in the East the Wolves are like 5 and oh, 5 they've, against.
3: They've them. lost they've lost to every non-playoff team in the East on the road except the Knicks.
2: Yeah, so it's they they have <laughs> left about and at the time everybody said what's the big deal? Well then Jimmy Butler got hurt. So it, you know, look, you're going to lose to those bad teams sometime. That's the NBA but but you can't be against the worst teams in the league there's something like there's something like 6 and 8 right yeah. you, you, you know you you can be 10 and 2 you can be you know a, a 9 and 3 i mean you're going to lose you, you don't expect to go 12 14 and 0 but but you can't be 6 and 8 against the yeah, worst teams
3: no i I told Roycey when they lost they lost that last game to Memphis i told Roycey you can't you cannot you've already exhausted all of your bad losses for the season up to that point like you can't at this stage of the season, you cannot lose a game like that to a team that's not even trying to win games right now. Yeah, like you just can't do that.
2: No, you you, you just can't do that. Uh, and then you look at the the so to me, and and I made it. I was talking. I made it. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a big hoops fan, and I said, you know what? I think the Wolves' problem is on defense. I said, you know what I think it is? I said, I think the problem is that Tibbs has designed his his defense to stop his offense. Yeah. And and if the yeah. Wolves had to play against Tibbs' defense. The Wolves would never score because the Wolves run an old-style offense that, you know, and again, there's two reasons why they run an old-style offense, which means they don't rely on the three-pointer. Mm-hmm. One is Tibbs, much to much to his discredit, did not build the roster to, to, to fit the modern NBA. And by that, I mean I have no problem trading Zach Levine for Jimmy Butler, but you're losing a lot of three-point shooting. But I have a big problem, and you know, going and getting Teague instead of Ricky—at least, at least Teague can probably hit more threes than Ricky. But to me, that he shouldn't have made that. If you look at the stats between Ricky and Teague. The, the the advanced stats, win shares per 48, offensive box plus minus. Teague and Ruby are almost the same. They're different players. Teague's strength is more shooting. Ricky's could, strength is more maybe defense. But but he spent $5 million more for a player that's really no more effective than Ricky. They're could about they the same. have
0: constructed the roster in a way where they could have had both those guys? No. no, the no money but what they on? could have done
2: no. is when he had his money left over... Instead of signing Taj Gibson, he could have went after and gotten, for example, JJ Redick, who wanted to come here. He could have constructed the roster and gotten some three point shooters. And instead, I thought he went, we like Taj though. We, well, but no, it was, Taj a, has
3: been great. But. but
2: it's a redundant skill. It's redundant. Yeah. So anyway, so he built. So one, he has a team that is not really built to shoot three pointers, and two, he has an offense that's not designed to get three pointers. So it. so it's it's so they have a team that that that, that it's the old NBA style, and his defense. A uh, key Sang, is that his name. I follow him on Twitter, and he he put out these these charts that show where you defend the best. And guess where the Wolves defend the best? Two point shooting areas outside yeah. the paint. Well, guess where they defend the worst? Three and at the rim. And look at all the best defensive teams in the league. Where do they defend the best? For example, the Warriors, or or excuse me, the, the Spurs. The Spurs, their number one area they defend the hardest is the corner three. The number two area is around the rim, and the number three area is longer threes. The the area where they defend the weakest is the two-point shots. They're designed to do that. Boston's designed to do that. Spurs are designed to do that. Warriors are designed to do that. Utah's designed to do that. And the Sixers are designed to do that. And because these guys have modern coaches who have built their teams to play the modern game. Yeah. And Tibbs, Tibbs' defense—he runs the exact same defense he ran in 2011. And in 2011, that was an effective defense because no, no one was shooting threes.
3: Yeah, the ice—it's the—it's the ice defense. My my guy Dane Moore, who, who works for zone coverage, he wrote a piece back in December, basically talking about how Tibbs' offense—it's exactly what you said. It's it's Tibbs' offense is predicated on shooting a lot of mid-range shots, and then his defense is. Basically, and he even, and Dane even had like a quote from Tibbs in the piece where Tibbs is basically saying the the main idea for the defense is to force teams into shooting the long two. Yes. And, and but it's like Tibbs, your offense is shooting a lot of long twos.
2: Well, although I would say the focus of Tibbs' defense does not force the long two, because that isn't what the... It does
3: force, it, it does force the long two, but the thing of it is, is... Teams are not taking long twos anymore, so that's what renders it right ineffective. Are, because people, teams are instead of shooting long twos, teams are shooting threes.
2: I mean, there were there were times in that Utah game when when they were driving the paint and all five Wolves defenders were in the paint, and they kick it out, and Utah had three guys that could hit a three. I mean, it, Tibbs is Tibbs was a mistake. Uh, he's not going to change his stripes. He he built the team incorrectly, and now you got a team that doesn't. There's a lot of talent on this team. Uh, I don't think we can dis- dispute that, especially Towns and and uh, Jimmy Butler, but but and then you look. I just want to give you a couple things. The Sixers are Brett Brown, who are the Sixers now are forty eight and thirty. They play the Cavs tonight, and if they beat the Cavs, they'll finish third. The Sixers are, have won twelve in a row. How about a couple of stats here that I'm just going to read you, and then we'll take a break. But how about this? I'm going to just read a couple of stats for you. Last night, by the way, they played without. Now they were playing the Pistons, who aren't great, but last night they are playing without. Joel Embiid, uh Dark Dar- 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 what's Saric's first name? Dario Saric. Dario Saric and another guy. They're playing with all three guys and they and they easily beat the Pistons. They've now won twelve games in a row. And here and they pick up guys like Bellinelli, JJ Reddick, and here's some of their numbers. The, the Sixers have the league's fourth ranked offense over the 12 game win streak. They have the best defense in the league over the last 12 games. Even their defensive rating in the last 12 games is 96.5.
3: That is the underrated part of the Sixers and why they're so good is how good defense, how good a defensive team. So they, they have
2: are. a 15.6 net rating over that stretch. And in the last 18, they were 18 games over 500 for the first time in 17 years. They're the second best defensive rebounding team in the league over that point. I mean, Brett Brown is a, is a disciple of pop just like Budenholzer was at Atlanta, and those guys have done well, and the Sixers. So now everything we talked about, the, the Wild, is the same for the Wolves. In other words, Tibbs came in here in the first year. I liked his patience. But his second year, I wanted him to build a team, and I talked about this in the offseason. He needed to build a team that was not focused on just getting in the playoffs this year. A team that would be ready to win the title as soon as the Warriors started to age. We're already seeing the Warriors age this year with all the injuries they've had, and this was kind of before the Rockets had burst on the scene. Instead, he built a team just trying to get it in the playoffs, and now they're salary cap strapped. There's no hope to add three three point shooting, and this team is now is going is in the same boat. As the Wild.
3: You know you know the one thing Tibbs shouldn't, well, there's a few things he shouldn't have done, but one of the big things he should not have done, he should not have signed Gorky Jang to that big contract.
2: No, not if, and if he, he did, not have done and, that, and once he did
3: it so early in the season last year, he should not have done it. And that.
2: once he did it, you can't go out and sign Taj. That's the point. Yeah. You, you've got to sign something else. And and it just shows further that now the, the window of winning with Towns is basically already closed. And I don't know how you un unspool this thread, but they're going to have to try to do it. Uh, uh, hold on, before we go to break,
0: Miguel Sano just hit one off the building uh, across the street. How many men on base? Field. Uh, it's a two-run homer. Game is now tied. All right, Miguel has runs. made up
2: for his two blunders.
0: Uh, he kind of has. Plenty of time for him to make another. That was an absolute bomb that he just hit. Yeah, well, he I'll tell you, he,
2: he and Dozier are kind of like, the cold weather is not impacting them as far as hitting, what, he's no. got three now and Dozier's got four? Yes. So, uh, you know, and give Kyle Gibson credit. Uh, he's hung in there after a rough start. We'll take a break uh, and come back. i got to see what I'm going to talk about here. I got. Give me a second. I'm just moving slow. It'll slow. give us
0: time to rewatch that Miguel Sano home run, so that's okay. Take as much time as you want. Johnny's yeah. patiently we're, waiting. We're going
2: to talk a little more three point shooting when we come back. You know, I, I've been on record of saying, especially when the Gophers aren't very good in men's basketball, that I'm not a huge fan of watching college basketball because college basketball has become so crappy. But I would say this: that during I watched quite a bit of this NCAA tournament and. And I'll say this: that you know what? It, to me, the NCAA basketball has gotten a lot better because you know why? Because and a lot of the teams are taking on the same characteristics of what 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 is often called the Warriors Revolution. Uh, one one other comment about Glenn Taylor, or comment about Glenn Taylor that I meant to say during the Wolf segment last time. I think Glenn Taylor means well. I mean, he's not afraid to spend money. I mean, he went out and everyone told him you got to hire Tibbs, and he hired Tibbs. Glenn Taylor doesn't know enough or hasn't taken the time to understand basketball enough to to invest his time in making wise choices. And an example would be Joseph Lacob who bought the Warriors like in 2000 and like in 2012. And you know, he made the choice to give Curry the money even though Curry had a lot, this was before Curry was Curry. Remember, Curry was really good as a rookie, and then he had some serious ankle injuries. And you know they, they signed gave him
3: a really friendly contract because yes. they were worried about his ankle injuries. Yeah, yeah.
2: and he. But, but but remember that contract became a joke because when Curry was absolutely blowing up with a three point line, mm-hmm. he was making like thirteen million a year, yep. right? Yep. Uh, and when everyone else was making you know 28000000 dollars a and year, and
3: and them paying him that. Team friendly contract allowed them to have enough cap space to go and get Kevin Durant. That's
2: right, and 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 look, but well, LaCob had 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 Mark, uh, he had with him, and I want to write this. It says before the 14-15 NBA season, uh, Joel LaCob fired coach Mark Jackson, who had just led the Warriors to the playoffs in consecutive seasons. They'd won something like fifty some games, mm-hmm. and they they, they won a playoff series, I think, and then and then gave the remember they had the Spurs down 2-0 uh, in one of those years. And the Spurs came back and beat him, and everyone goes, "Boy, this team's on the on this team's up and coming team, right?" And he just saw something. Ex- he goes, and so they said, so he he fired Mark Jackson, and everybody was a gasp about it, right? Yeah. And then he goes to the broadcast booth and hires Steve Kerr.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Everyone thought he was crazy, and Steve Kerr comes into the Warriors, and and Steve Kerr is really the guy to me. This whole revolution in the NBA started with Mike D'Antoni back when he had. Uh, Steve Nash,
3: seven seconds or less.
2: Yeah, he had Steve Nash, and he had uh, a Sean Marion in the corner, and he had Dan Marley early on in that run, and he had all these guys. And, well, and they, Marley wasn't Marley there. wasn't there. You are right, but he had he had a three point shooters, and every, and they were fun to watch, but they 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 couldn't beat the Lakers, right? But who could beat the Lakers back then, right? When they had Kobe and Shaq, and so you know, Dan D'Antoni, everyone kind of poo pooed it. They said that's a lot of fun. Uh, but it doesn't really work and then it kind of fizzled out and then Steve Kerr comes in and I think that that Curry took a lot of threes he took like 250 threes and the first thing Steve Kerr said to Steph Curry is uh you you're not taking nearly enough and the next <laughs> year he took like 480 and the revolution yeah. had begun right
3: and now he's making like 400 a year yes. when he plays a full season yeah. and the
2: revolution had begun and and and, and the, the, the and you want it's move the ball take the threes get three point shooters and then and then what did the, what did the rockets do they said my goodness uh we need to do this too. And we've got James Harden, and they went and got Chris Paul, and they added, you know, they get Eric Gordon for almost nothing. They get Ryan Anderson for almost nothing. They get PJ Tucker for almost nothing. They get Emba Mute. They already had, uh, who's the other guy uh, from UCLA uh, uh, that they have that's also a three point shooter? I always, are, are, who is it? He's in the ads. The, the UCLA guy. I'm
3: thinking maybe, of Luke Ba No,
2: no, no. Well, maybe not a UCLA guy. They got it. Who is it? Well, anyway. you're
3: thinking of Ryan Anderson?
2: No, I'm thinking he, he's a black guy. What is it? He beat. Royal. Oh,
3: Tre- uh Trevor Arisa. Yeah, he's near UCLA yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep, yep, yeah, he, I mean, is. he can yep. at threes.
2: And and they then go to so so then they go and get Dan Tony, which was brilliant. And Dan Tony says, I'm just gonna let James Harden hold the ball and everyone said you're crazy. And that, so no, <laughs> these guys are visionaries, right? Yeah. And Joel Cobb and the guy that runs uh the Rockets are, are two visionary guys. And they see that and the the owners of these teams are involved in deciding who they're gonna get. what, what happened with Glenn is he just got the guy everybody told him he should get he didn't have any independent knowledge of what he needed or what he was looking for, and so he he made a $40 million mistake in hiring a dinosaur. Well, you, you look at college basketball. Let me give you some numbers by and, and one of the reasons, I mean, how could you not enjoy watching Villanova play? Villanova plays like the Warriors, right? They have Brunson. He runs the ball. He goes in the paint. He's basically a little bit like James Harden. He sometimes takes that little floater in the paint. They, they spread the floor. They take threes. Michigan, John Beeline has played that way for years. Right, And it's had a lot of success. His recruiting is not as good. But how about this? In three-point attempts, there's 356 Division A teams. Villanova in the NCAA on three-point attempts was second. Michigan was sixth. And Kansas was 11th. Uh, and by the way, the greatest upset of all time, UMBC, they were 32nd in the NCAA in three-point field goal percentage. And that's how mm-hmm. they beat the team. They beat them. You mm-hmm. know, and to me, this is my message. And There's another lesson here. Jay Wright, his first four years at, at Villanova wasn't very good. They were complaining about him. Porter Moser, uh, you know, got fired by Illinois State and his first three or four years at Loyola was terrible. And so to me, you have to have a vision as a coach. Does a coach have vision or not? I think, I think Richard Bettino, and hopefully he doesn't, Hopefully he branches out because one of the things his father did, Rick Patino, is they never really took a lot of three point shots. I want to see. He also him. likes to run hookers through campus. Oh, don't give me. You know, I'm a huge. I would hire Rick Patino in RP. <laughs> you would not. I should, would. If you were tasked
0: as the president of a university, you, there is no way in God's good name you could hire Rick Patino and sell the sponsorships. I would.
2: I would. Because when oh. we
3: start
0: winning, the sponsors will line up.
3: <laughs> I, I, I don't <laughs> well, know. a Are you that talking about topic.
0: 2018 or are you talking about 2025 or something like uh, when it's cool? I down don't want to get bit. sidetracked. Right, I'm sorry, I just going to
2: say Richard Pitino, I think he's kind of a visionary. I really do. And his recruiting hasn't been. But I hope Richard Pitino really... And to me, he's really struggled to recruit. He's had some good recruits. He hasn't been a disaster. He's and done okay. He, he's done okay, but he hasn't yeah. done... You know, last year they get... A, they get. You know, Eric Curry gets hurt last year, and they were basically... They, they were going to be a bubble team even before uh, Lynch got suspended. You could see that early in the year. When they played Miami, and Miami's big guys went they outside and started... They They, they yeah. couldn't because he didn't have a, a big guy that could guard other guys that could shoot three. I think Richard Petino's enough of a visionary that, that I hope he he takes that path of of turning the Gophers into a warriors like offense i think that's what i think he has the ability to do it
3: he i just needed, hope he's learned his lesson from recruiting guys like kanate and Jiju. and well, you yeah. can't you just can't you can't waste roster spots on those type of players anymore no, you just and, can't and so i'm hoping that that, Ri- them.
2: that richard Pitino can can follow the direction of a b line yeah, and here's about b line look michigan's talent was was nowhere near what villanova's was or kansas's was but but they one they play a great brand of basketball. When they start hitting shots, they're fun to watch. And and I'd like to see Richard Pitino really get that sort of offense in. He really hasn't been able to the last couple of years because of some of the players he's had. But I'm hopeful that they can get that sort of offense going. Uh, where and I'll tell you what, if you could ever teach Isaiah Washington to pass a ball, because uh, <laughs> he's a guy that could he's a guy that that could dribble in the paint and start dishing the guys taking threes. You know, I want to see Rich, I want to see Amir Coffey taking a ton of threes. You know, I want to yeah. see I want to see Eric Curry taking a ton of threes because he can. I want to see these guys sitting out there and taking threes and, and letting the chips fall where they may. I want to see you know Jameer Harris get, play him a lot and run a Rockets type offense. And I think I think that that'd be their best that'd be their best way to do because it certainly worked for those other teams that made it to the Final Four and even some of the less talented teams that got there. And you watched Loyola's offense; they don't take as many threes, but a really flowing offense that was fun mm-hmm. to watch. And I hope that he learns a lesson from that. I will take a break. Come back with a Johnny Height update. Johnny Heights going to give us an update here. But uh, the Twins, uh, Ryan Press, is giving up about a bloop. I didn't see that the first guy got on runners at first. And it was third. a
0: walk, a leadoff walk, a walk and then, and a, then bloop a bloop single by uh, Robinson Cano. So
2: runners on first and second. Nobody out in the uh, top of the seventh game tied 2-2. Take it away, Johnny.
1: Thanks, all This update sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com hire. You uh, John, need some water. You been doing any talking today, just John? Just a little choked up there about something apparently. Twins home opener is going on. Uh 2 to 2 right now. Uh Miguel Sano, uh he's got a couple bad plays in the field, but he also has a two-run homer for the Twins. He do what Mickey do. <laughs> that's what Mickey do. 2 to 2 uh there in the uh, uh what anyway, in sixth? sixth, inning. Top of the 7th. Top of the 7th, seventh. Seventh. I ah, Miguel's just playing like a DH, that's all. <laughs> Uh, James Paxton started for Seattle. Kyle Gibson started for the Twins. They are both out of the game at this point. Uh, James, the best part of James's day, the eagle at the beginning of the day landed on him while he was out uh, getting ready to throw.
0: And when an eagle is supposed to land on a, what would you call it, a handler? Yeah, uh, sure. When an eagle is supposed to land on a handler for opening day and instead lands on the opposing starting pitcher, that's when Twitter is awesome. <laughs> Because of the the photos and everything else attached to it, and yeah, the, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, you
2: know what I always say about eagles good eating.
0: <laughs> What's wrong with you at the masters today? What does it taste like?
2: Bald
1: eagle, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Tony Finow, the fellow who hurt his ankle after his hole in one yesterday, uh, he's in the lead. Uh, he's at 4-under, done for the day. Jordan Spieth is also at 4-under. He's on the 14th hole right now. There's a whole batch I'll of I'll give you an update. Jordan yeah. Spieth is 5-under because oh, he birdied, he birdied okay. 15. Wow. So he took the lead. Uh, we have a whole batch of fellows at 3-under. Uh, Tiger, if you're wondering, he is at 1-over for the day. He is finished for the day. Uh, the Vikings signed wide receiver Tavares King today. The Ooh. Tavares King. He's a fifth-year veteran from Georgia who was with the Giants from 2015 through 2017. Oh, the last time we had a Tavares, it worked out pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) He's also played for Denver, Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Jacksonville. He was taken back in the 2013 draft by Bronco in the fifth round, made his NFL debut in 2014 with Tampa Bay. Uh, He's played in 17 games, made three starts in his career. He has 22 receptions, 303 yards, and three touchdowns. A wild right back at it after that loss to Anaheim tonight, uh, last night, excuse me. Uh, they'll play Los Angeles this evening. A wild forward, Luke Coonan, underwent surgery this week, fixed up the torn anterior cruciate ligament in his left knee. He's expected to be able to come back to play within six to seven months. Uh, NBA news, big game for the Timberwolves tonight. They're in Denver to
3: play the Nuggets. And Ryan Presley just picked up a huge strikeout. His yes, runners out at of first game.
2: and third, one out, and they're bringing in the lefty. I'm guessing that is Ken
0: Duke. And I know the game was on late last night, the wild game, but if you want a thorough recap of what happened, here it is.
2: The kings got one point, <laughs> then they got two points before the wild. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. the wild got one point, then they got two points, then the wild got three. Yep. And then and then the king, one of the kings, they snook the book snook. in there and they won.
0: Boom. Analysis. That's
3: the breakdown. He snook Dang. it in. Yep. I think he had it right the first time when he called them the king. The king, the king. Yeah, the that's king. how Jacques would say it. We were going through the, uh, the 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 team
0: logos that hang from the roof of the X there, Corzo. And uh, boy, when a six year old looks at an image and thinks up of a name, that is truly priceless. We came up with the hot wings, and we came up with the, the hot tran- wings and the hot transformers wings.
1: for the Golden Knights because they look like the transformer <laughs> <Yeah>. mask. <laughs> Uh, Frozen Four semifinals tonight at the Excel Energy Center. Uh, game one is already underway. Minnesota Duluth is leading Ohio State. They scored too quickly, so it's 2-zip uh, Duluth. Uh, game two is Michigan against Notre Dame. That's underway at about 8:30 tonight. Been a busy week for outfielder Trace Thompson. Uh, Trace, of course, is uh, Clay Thompson's brother, and uh, they could be playing in the same city, it looks like. The Oakland A's claimed Thompson on waivers from oh. the Yankees today. I was just going to say, I thought the Yankees just claimed him. Yep, and they had to put him on waivers to clear waivers, but he didn't clear, obviously. Oakland picked him because they weren't going to keep him on He's the major kind of league roster. He's bounced
0: around a little bit. Yeah. He was with the White Sox He the was Dodgers a hot prospect and, and, at one point. Yeah. Yep.
1: Uh, uh, the manager for the A's, Bob Melvin, said, I think it's pretty cool of the brother, brothers being on teams in the same city. How's his jump shot? He said, I talked to Trace a little bit, and he's really excited. The Yankees had claimed Thompson earlier this week after he was waived by the Dodgers. The Yankees tried to assign him to Triple-A Scranton if he had cleared waivers. If Thompson is still in Oakland's major league roster next week, he might even get a chance to play against his former team, the Dodgers. Oakland's scheduled to visit Los Angeles for a two-game series next Tuesday and Wednesday. Michael Thompson's got himself quite the athletic family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, boy, uh, this uh, I don't know if you've seen this video, but UFC star Conor McGregor stormed a media day ahead of UFC 223 at Barclays Center, damaging a bus and allegedly injuring another fighter in the process. UFC. This pres- is what we call promotion. Very yes. much so, is- yes. Mm. UFC President Dana White said McGregor and a large entourage were led into the building by credentialed journalists. <laughs> According to multiple witnesses, <laughs> McGregor ran into the area, arena's loading dock, began throwing objects at a bus which was taking a group of UFC fighters to a nearby hotel. In a video posted by TMZ, you shown lifting a dolly and throwing it into one of the bus's windows.
3: How many F bombs did he drop? I'm sure he dropped plenty <laughs> of those. But the why po-
2: why is he doing that? To is promote he, the fight. You well, know I, I get that. Is but what's the the, the, so the, Look at what happened. You know
0: how many knuckle-dragging meatheads we have in this world? They're going to eat this crap up no, and watch the, this but, fight.
2: But obviously, if you asked him why he was mad, he's not going to say, well, I'm try- I'm faking it to promote the fight. He's got to have some pretext as to why he's doing it. Oh,
0: I see. You, you, you want to know the reason behind his anger. Yeah,
2: you know, what he's claiming it to be. Got other than, it. Right, that's what I'm saying.
1: My favorite part is uh, Dana White told reporters he thought a warrant had been issued for McGregor's arrest, <laughs> but the NYPD said... Uh, Oh, we haven't issued any warrants, although we are looking into an incident that happened at the arena. So
3: they—they uh, they, they need a police presence.
1: So they're uh, police.
0: Their response is we don't have a cow. We don't. We got <laughs> a <laughs> bull. <bowl.
1: laughs> we, we don't have a cow. Oh, that's fantastic.
2: All right, thanks, Johnny. Yep. Well, the Twins bullpen, after Ryan Presley put him in a bit of a bind, runners at first and second, nobody out in the uh, top of the seventh, he then got a strikeout, they took him out, Ken Duke got a number down the first baseline, they trapped the guy off third, so now he had runners Zach at Duke. first, Zach Duke, what I call him, Ken Duke? Ken Duke, yeah. That's the golfer, Zach Duke, <laughs> and then they, uh, the, he got the last guy out, I didn't see how, but uh, Ken, Ken Duke, Zach Duke. Being a catcher for Zach Duke is, is, is heavy lifting. I mean, he throws a lot of balls in the dirt, that guy, doesn't he?
0: I will give Presley an ounce of credit, though, because the, yeah. the
2: one, he did
0: walk, walk a guy. And it was a bloop. The, the bloop was a bloop, but then he did stri- get a big
3: strikeout. Yeah. No, so. no,
2: no. It's it's the, Look, the, the we, we've talked earlier about how the Wild kind of built because, you know, they had this fan base. They had all these people buying these tickets. They, they went out and got Suter because they were terrible. And he got Suter and Parisi, and it was enough to make them good. Right, but they were never great, and they're probably not likely to be. Uh, and you look at the Twins in the in the two thousands; they were good, but they were never really good enough to beat the Yankees. Although they had some seasons, if you remember, two thousand ten, the Twins remember had a better record than the Yankees. The and twins, they should
3: have beaten. Yeah, they so were a better team than the Yankees. They were and they should have beaten. The so, Yankees, so they had
2: yeah. built a really good team by two thousand ten. Uh, and then, in two thousand and eleven, it all fell apart until really last year. when and they, they should came have back.
3: beaten Oakland in two thousand and six too
2: and then we've we've talked about the disaster that tibbs has has turned over there that that Carl it looks like Carl Anthony Towns isn't even going to have as much support as as the, that that uh, kg had uh so which is too bad because him and Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, if you have somebody that knows what they're doing, they should turn that into a really good team when you have two guys that are that good.
3: Here's what I will say and and i I mentioned this yesterday, I think with Towns and Wiggins, at at the very least, because I told this to Pat yesterday. At at the very least, this would be a lot worse if they were like twenty eight or twenty nine years old. If those two were twenty eight or twenty nine years old, the fact that they're in their early twenties, at at if there's any silver lining to this sort of disappoint, this early disappointment, is that there is time to sort of right this ship. But you just got to figure out if. Is the guy to write the ship, and right now it doesn't
2: look like that. Manny, if this was the ride with Corzo instead of the ride with Roycey. I would have to. It'd probably be the cruise with Corzo. Oh, the cruise! I would. I would have <laughs> to. Because I want alliteration. I would have to suspend Manny for about fifteen minutes because Why? you you can never mention Towns and Wiggy in the same breath. Oh, stop it! <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, stop it! <laughs> yes, oh, it's stop. not. Oh, I knew stop We, we could make it through. Towns a show. is already one of the best players in the NBA and you're, is going that, to be but a star. You're, you're, but Wiggy and best. Points. I know. I hear your point. You're missing my point.
3: You're missing my point. I hear
2: your point, but I mean, you just have to. Anyway, I digress. So, so we've seen what the Wolves did. But but now the twins, by the way, two two, uh, bottom of the seventh, uh, one out.
0: Hold on, but as as the as the middle person in that argument, I side a little bit more with you, Corzo, because I'm not, and I'm I am a Wiggins guy. I I, I still th- I'm one of the rare people that says he's still too young to have a final judgment on it, and I still think he has has room for growth, but. Carl Anthony
3: Towns is in a complete different class when it comes to those two. Mitch
2: Garver, by the way, just went deep, so the Twins lead lead 3-2. I am
3: not saying that Andrew Wiggins is as good as Carl Anthony Towns. What I'm saying is that because you have two young players that are still growing and getting better, you have time to right the ship it's not like they are getting old and going past their prime. Right, Yes, That's the point that I'm making. I'm not saying, hey, Wiggins is better than Towns. I mean, come on. What that's I'm not saying what I'm is, saying.
2: is, When you've got Wiggins eating up $28 million of your salary cap, your chances of building a team around Towns are, are, are greatly reduced. But anyway, that's not my point. My point is, is that the Twins, on the other hand, with Falvey and Levine, and, well, first of all, the Vikings, the one thing the Vikings have done is they built for the long haul. I mean, they, they have been great with the cap, right? They've been good, and they've been building. And when the opportunity came for them to go for it and get the what they hoped to be the final piece, they had the money available to go do it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That they were they were building, and they were good. But, but you always got the sense that everything Zimmer's done since he's been there with Spielman doesn't mean you're going to succeed. But they were building, trying to build a team that was capable of winning a championship. And now they've got a team capable of winning a championship, right? When you get to the NFC Championship but now game... now they have
0: a quarterback that's taking up a lot of money in their cap. But that's okay. Cap.
2: They'd saved the money. And they still, by the way, after signing him and after signing uh, the, Richardson. Richardson, they still got $12 million on the cap this year.
0: But you and, need a lot of that for draft
2: picks. And they're going to have that. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine going forward. They, 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 they did the right thing. The Twins now appear to me to be building for winning championships, right? And in the meantime, they're going to be pretty good. In other words, last year, Falvey and Levine didn't do anything to derail their long-term plans, right? They did hardly anything, right? They went and got Castro. Uh, they, they they were patient, much like Tibbs was the first year. And the moves the Twins have taken this year, nothing, none of the moves they're making are going to get in the way of their young players, right? Odorizzi they got for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, this other guy they got for a year Lance or two. Lin. And And then the story came out. That came out right before I went on the air and Johnny's referenced it. it, it this was from Jeff Passon. Some unrelated news, because he did a piece on this Blackman guy, the guy with the beard who signed long term with Charlie, the Rockies. Charlie Black. Charlie Black because he wanted to stay there. Who looks like the guy from uh, uh Game of Thrones, <laughs> the guy with the beard, and also does those ads for some hotel chain where he's got the crazy beard. Okay. Looks just like that guy. Uh sources tell Yahoo Sports that Minnesota that the Minnesota Twins offered contract extensions this winter to Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, Jose Barrios and two other young players, which we could probably. Who would the two other young players be?
0: Uh the the, the speculation is that it might have been Polanco, yep. or that it also might have been Rosario. Okay, or yep. or Miguel, but that's left to let's right. Left and to so wander. those
2: guys, so so that they're what they're trying to do is what are called the bridge deals, right? Mm-hmm. Remember the Indians were the first team to do this years ago, where you get they. So the player, so the team gives you money, so the players. So the next it's two a years,
0: smart risk with, or it's it's a smart move with much more minimal risk than signing a long. Right. What you do a, is you take
2: you take a player who you got complete control over, which means you can pay him hardly anything, and you overpay him for those two years, and then those players give up their their first two years of free agency. Something like that. that's why they call it a bridge. The deal.
0: Phillies have just done that with the two of their young, what they view as young superstar right. building, blocks. and that's
2: what apparently what Blackman did. Yep. So so you have the ability. So you you, but it's interesting to me that these guys said no. Well, I mean, so we way, don't know what the numbers were. Or that's maybe story- that's
0: the that's the sticky wicked. you I, I'm suspecting that they said no because this front office may or may not have lowballed. Again, we don't know what the numbers are, but if it was a similar deal to like what the Phillies gave to a couple of their players or what the St. Louis Cardinals gave to their young shortstop Dejong they might have said yes, but my guess is that it might have been a little bit lower than what those market deals were. But I have no idea what that money
2: was. But what doesn't it seem like they these guys? They're not like saying let's get let's go sign a bunch of crazy contracts just so we can you know be in the playoffs. Last year they they got in the playoffs, and when, and their plan was never to get in the playoffs. Right? Their plan last year was let's take our time, let's look at this, let's and, see
0: what we have, and, and let's analyze. And it was
2: great that they got into the playoffs. And this year, they, look, they're in a division with the Indians, which are really good. But you know, if you're paying attention, to the Indians. Don't you think the Indians are a little weaker this year than they were last year I mean they lost some guys, right? Mm-hmm. They're still the best team in the, but but their windows closing, okay? you can see it, you know and so they're they're building for the long term here is what they're they're trying to build a team that could be a powerhouse. That's what I see. whether they, can they do it or not? We don't know, but don't don't you agree with me? I, I like
0: every uh, I obviously wanted them to go out and get a starter, but to get uh, an ace starter, but to get a guy like you Darvish, it was going to cost you a lot, and you wouldn't have made the other moves that you did. I think that they rebounded nicely from where, from after when they were rejected by Darvish to where they ultimately got to. And it also helped that your off-season free agent market was as soft yes. as it was. That that played in their favor, and I'm not criticizing the Twins for that. Like I'm, I'm saying, saying if, that if it, they made a good move. In if spite it wasn't
2: of it. soft, okay, they wouldn't have signed. They, they would have traded for Oderizzi because yes. they got him and his. They wouldn't have signed the other guy. They would not have signed Lance. Lance, No, that that was just like, that's like, uh, it's kind of like the Patriots training Brandon Cook. Hey, we'll give you a first-round draft report. Okay. They also
0: probably wouldn't have been able to sign Addison Reed to just a two-year deal because in a normal free agent season... He might have gotten a three or a four-year contract because, they,
2: and I'm kind of glad they didn't get you, Darvish. Frankly, I think they're better off not having that on their. Books. I wasn't that
0: worked up about. Uh, not and you know, and Brios,
2: you know, Brios had a because really, of the money, yeah. Barrios had a really good year last year, and you know his first two or three starts last year were spectacular. So I'm not going to overreact by and his first. The, start, and but, he's
3: the guy long term that you would hope turns into your number, your bonafide right. number one anyway. Oh, and, and he's your a, future, and absolutely. they got a couple of other yeah. guys,
2: and and you saw it with Brios, and we've seen it. He's he's still not consistent, you know, like any young pitcher. But when his stuff. is... Is on he's 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 one of the best in the game and it's just a matter of how often can he be on you know more often than than not last year and we'll see if he can improve that this year we'll take a break come back and wrap up this edition of the ride with roissy you know the masters uh looks like it's you know it, i i can't remember really a masters where there was as much anticipation as this one given the fact that tiger's back that phil's playing great you know, that uh, that Spieth is always good, that, you know, uh, Justin Thomas has surged on the scene, that Dustin Johnson is still there, that Rory McIlroy, you know, the big names are all seem to be on top of their game. And let me just give you a little update. Spieth is now 7-under seven through 17, so he's uh, leading by 3 over Finau Kuchar, uh, and then Henrik Stenson-Reeb. But look at some of the big names up here. McIlroy, 3-under, right? Great shape. Uh, he's right there. Zach Johnson, a former champion, 2-under. Mickelson finished at 2-under. Ricky Fowler is 2-under. Uh, you know, a lot of really good players doing well. Then you get to down to some of the other bigs. Even even Tiger, who kind of struggled today, is one over. Still very much in it. Uh, Bubba Watson one over, and Justin Rose one over. So these are kind of the big names that everyone was kind of counting on uh, that would be there, and and almost all of them are in are in play and will be in play come even tomorrow and the weekend. So I think the Masters that everybody's looking forward to that that still dreams that Phil and Tiger could be in it. I've seen enough masters to know. I've seen guys that have been seven back the last day and have won it. So it's a long way to go. But but Jordan Speeth, who surprisingly, you know, Jordan Spieth doesn't have the firepower of some of these guys, of Justin Thomas or Dustin Johnson or Rory McIlroy, or even Tiger, who has tremendous fire. Tiger's firepower now is right up there with anybody's. And and I'll tell you, Phil's got a lot of firepower, too, as far as hitting the long. Spieth doesn't have the firepower. Spieth's game is always his wedge and his putting. And when he blew it two years ago, when he, you know, hit a, hit a shot in the water on twelve, and then he dropped a wedge and chunked the wedge in the water. That killed him. If he'd knocked it on and made a five or made a four, he put probably would have still won. He made a six, and then what's really been struggled with? What, what Justin's really been struggling with, or uh, what not Justin? Uh, Jordan Spieth has really been struggling with, has been his putting, which is what he's known is probably the best part in the world. A couple of years ago, he's obviously putting well today, and Augusta does that to people. If you're a great putter, you're going to love putting there. Uh, what are you going to watch the Wolves tonight, man? Are you going to torture yourself?
3: Uh, I'm taping a Wolves podcast tonight, so I'll probably do that, and then probably watch a little bit of the game.
2: Yeah, it's I'm just it's gotten to the point where it's kind of painful, isn't it, to watch them? Don't you think?
3: Yeah, but I mean, come on, it's been almost 30 years of this. We're used yeah, to it. Yeah,
2: you're right. This is not as bad as some of those things, I right. guess. I will take it. So Wolves tonight. Twins are up three to two in the seventh. Thanks for listening, everybody. To Korznowski filling in on the ride with Roysie. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you.
0: Ask your provider or an online prescriber if KolaGuard is right for you. Or visit KolaGuard.com.
3: I'm in.